It's Friday, May 18th, and this is The Daily Dive. Well, there's a wedding happening, and it's going to be big. Prince Henry of Wales is marrying American actress Meghan Markle tomorrow. There has been a lot of drama in the lead-up to the wedding concerning Meghan Markle's father, resulting in him not attending and not walking her down the aisle. We will speak to BBC presenter Danny Pike for some particulars about the wedding and how the British media has been treating the story. We will also talk about the big business of the royal wedding, how much is expected to be generated through tourism and the sale of memorabilia. Tim Tiemann, royal wedding editor for the Daily Beast, joins us to talk about how much money will be brought in. And if you're not waking up early to watch the royal wedding, you might be heading out to see the big movie of the weekend, Deadpool 2. In a sea of superhero movies, the original Deadpool became an instant hit for its wisecracks, violence, and breaking of the fourth wall. We'll speak to Abraham Reisman, culture writer for New York Magazine, about how the movie got here and what to expect from its latest installment. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. He got on one knee. Of course. Was it an instant yes from you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I could barely let you finish proposing. I was like, can I say yes now? She didn't even let me finish. She said, can I say yes? Can I say yes now? And then, then there was hugs, and I had the ring in my finger. And I was like, can I, can I give you the ring? She goes, oh, yes, the ring. <laughs> so, no, it was, um, it was a really nice moment. It was just the two of us. And um, I think I managed to catch, catch her by surprise as well. So. Yeah. Joining us now is Danny Pike. He's a presenter for the BBC in the UK. Thank you for joining us, Danny. Hi, Oscar. Very exciting day ahead. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling great. You know, it's, you know, we're over here in America. It's one of those spectacles that we really just get to observe. We're always outside looking in, but well, that's why we wanted to bring you in. What is the feeling like down there in the home country? Well, it is a lot of people really love a royal wedding. It's a real kind of boost to the nation for a lot of people. There are others who are maybe not so keen, you know, questioning the, the security arrangements and the cost of that and uh, whether, you know, the, the public should be footing the bill for the wedding. But a lot of people, cannot wait and been getting very excited about it. Of course, it's been a tricky week in the run-up to the wedding. Anybody who's got married wouldn't want the kind of family machinations that have been going on this week, would they? No, I blame that one on us, on the Americans. Briefly, I... You I did wa- well there. <laughs> you know there's a lot of love for Harry in this country. You know, 21 years ago, he was walking behind his mother's coffin as a boy in full glare of the media. Right. And, you know, that has lasted long in the memory of people in this country. So this is a chance for to celebrate the next stage of his life. Yeah, and he's a military man. I just very well respected, did a lot of great things across the globe. Yeah, I think he has had his troubles along the way. But I think in the last few years with his military service, the Invictus Games, I think, has been a, a real win for him. And, and he's grown into a man. And I think that's that's the difference. And I love the little touches in the wedding where, you know, he was best man for his brother, William. And now those roles are reversed as well. Two of William's children are going to be involved in the ceremony. So George is a page boy. Charlotte is one of the bridesmaids. Um, So above all, I think people want them to have a lovely family day as you want on a wedding day. And and I think when we get to Saturday, all the business with uh, Meghan's dad, and I'm sure that's been horrible for her uh, to have to deal with this week. I think all that will be forgotten and there'll be a celebration because the ceremony is at midday here on Saturday. And uh, once that takes place, they've got this open top carriage ride drawn by six Windsor Grey horses through the streets of Windsor, which is just to the west of London. It's not too far out of London, but it's kind of like the Queen's bolt hole out of town. And uh, perhaps you don't see it that often on the news, but it's an absolutely amazing castle in a beautiful town, Windsor. And they'll be paraded through the town and those streets will be absolutely heaving on Saturday. Thousands and thousands of people turning out. And then the last little bit of their procession goes up the long drive, which 
is this dead straight it's uh, way more than a mile tree-lined drive right back up to Windsor Castle and it's absolutely magnificent and the weather that's lined up for Saturday well organized sunny 21 degrees Celsius 70 Fahrenheit so perfect kind of day it'll look spectacular on your tellies tomorrow yeah I've seen pictures and it looks gorgeous I did want to ask about Meghan Markle and you mentioned the whole problems with her dad how is she being received out there and what how is the media even uh, portraying all this um, well, obviously, that's been about the only story in town this week. And I think most of the media has been, mm, uh, well, some of the newspapers uh, haven't kind of given it great coverage. But at the end of the day, it's been difficult for the family. And I think, you know, that's really for them to sort out. And it has really overshadowed things this week, the, the indecision as to whether Thomas was coming over or not. So uh, that, that can't have been great for them. But now it's just one of those things. And of course, um, Meghan Markle put out that statement on Thursday. Thursday saying that her dad's not coming and uh, she's always cared for him, but he can't be here. So that kind of put that to bed. So I think that'll be forgotten by wedding day. But in terms right. of Megan herself, people love her. I mean, I don't know about you. I watched most of the series of Suits. So as an actress, I've seen her working in Suits. And of course, she does her humanitarian work. And I think that's the thing that people think that Megan and Harry together will be their strong point. Because let's face it, to be honest, it's very, very unlikely that he'll rise to be king. I think he's sixth in right. line to the throne because William, uh, Charles and, and William's kids come first before we get to Harry. So they've got to find their own way in the world. And I think doing their humanitarian work will be where they can really make their difference. Did we find out yet who will be walking her down the aisle? As we speak, we don't know. I mean, it could be her mum. That would seem a sensible and straightforward choice, wouldn't it? But who knows? Do, and these days, does somebody need to walk you to give you away at a wedding, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But uh, right. I think the thing is that this wedding doesn't have the great, the huge pomp and ceremony that having a wedding at, say, Westminster Abbey or St. Paul's Cathedral would have. That's for the sort of the major royals, if you like. They've been able to do things their own way. And this Windsor Castle wedding in St. George's Chapel, which itself is over 500 years old. Prince Harry was christened there when he was a baby. So it still has that you know huge royal connection. But it's not quite as grand as having their ceremony in central London. Danny Pike, presenter for the BBC, thank you very much for joining us. Great talk to you. Hope you all enjoy it. Cheers, Oscar. Cheers. Both my parents and my close friends were concerned because we got very quickly swept up in a media storm that, as I, I shared, was not part of my life before that. But they also had never seen me so happy. And I think also once my friends were able to to really meet Harry and my mom, who we've spent a lot of time with, who's mm -hmm. so much fun. Your mom's amazing. He's talked to my dad a few times, hasn't been able to meet him just yet. Um, but it's all been... It's all been worth every effort. Yeah, it's been great. Joining us now is Tim Tiemann. He's editing all of the royal wedding coverage for the Daily Beast. Let's talk about the big business of royal weddings. We saw a couple of fun things on the Daily Beast about all the best royal wedding swag you can buy. What can you tell us about all this crazy stuff going on? Well, it really reminds me of when I was a young boy uh, growing up in Britain of the royal wedding of um, Prince Charles and at that time Lady Diana Spencer, who later obviously became Diana Princess of Wales. And even in our home, uh, which was frankly in the middle of the countryside, so not uh, so a long way away from all the action, we had, I remember, we called them tea towels, but I think Americans call them dish towels, plates, cups, t-shirts, 
badges, fridge magnets, um, <laughs> stickers, um, flags with their faces on. And it's funny, when I was going through all the swag that you can buy on the streets of London and on the streets of Windsor, if you're over in the UK this weekend, it's pretty much the same. I quite like how low-tech it is. Um, I mean, I'm sure there is stuff you can now get online, but it's really, it kind of, uh, it gave me a little glow to see that people were still buying the same hokey stuff that they always do around this time. So yeah, I mean, if you haven't got a Harry and Meghan dish towel, now is the moment to invest in one. <laughs> Some British jewelers are using the slogan, sparkle like Markle. Um, <laughs> one of the more funnier ones that I saw, people were selling commemorative condoms. And when you open the packaging, it says, it plays God Save the Queen and the Star Spangled Banner and, you know, for Harry and Meghan. <laughs> you know, this stuff is huge for the economy there. Tourism is a big boost. Uh, I think there's it's hundreds huge. of thousands of people going just to be in the area. Absolutely. To give you some figures, if it will help you. I mean, it's calculated that the wedding's going to add about one billion pounds in value to the British economy. That's in the whole of the year. And they're estimating that 250 million pounds is going to be spent on food and drink uh, this weekend with 50 million pounds on those souvenirs we were just talking to. And a 150 million pound boost in general in British tourism this year as a result of a wedding. So the economics of the royal family is of endless fascination to not just Brits, but I think people around the world. Because if you think about it, they are a brand. I mean, they're one of the kind of longest standing uh, brands in the world. And that is, of course, why when scandal comes to hit them, uh, the royal family and their courtiers and their representatives get extremely nervous because the brand, as it were, must not be hurt. Or as it's known in Britain, the firm. That's what the royal family is known as, the firm. Interesting. Can you um, speak a little more about that brand? Sure. What's the general sense that people have of, of the family and, and the firm, as you say? Well, I mean, that has changed over this period of, uh, it's changed over a period of years. Certainly when I was young, there wasn't, I mean, there's always been republicanism in Britain, and there are always people who just really think they're a, a group of overpaid layabouts who are existing off uh, the goodwill of a British taxpayer. But on, an, on another side, a lot of people really love them. Often they're amongst an older generation, and that is why the presence of William and Kate, and now Prince Harry and Meghan, is so important to the firm, because with those four, that core group of four, they are now looking to regenerate and, and reimagine what the royal family is. Of course, in their way, you've got Prince Charles, who will, by dint of succession, succeed the Queen. Now, Prince Charles is very much of the old guard, and he's waited around a hell of a long time to take the throne. So he is going to be a gasp of the old order. And with Prince William, and with Prince, and more so with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, which I find really fascinating, just in the last few weeks, Harry and Meghan were talking about LGBT rights throughout the Commonwealth and those sorts of issues. And Meghan Markle herself is a wonderful and, uh, you know, really great sort of figurehead of a feminist. So, you know, there's a new wind blowing through that family. I think the interesting thing will be to watch the collision of old and new and to see how this very old and dyed-in-the-wool institution will either adapt to new norms and adapt to the culture and politics of the culture around it or try and find, as it often does, a middle way through. So, not offending too many people, but showing signs that it can change. That's always been the trick of the royal family to date. Well, we wish them all the best. We'll be watching this weekend. I know it's an early call for us in America over here. But thank you very much, Tim Tiemann, editing all the royal wedding coverage for The Daily Beast. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Have a nice weekend. Started as an idea. What if we made a Deadpool movie? 
There was only a few of us back then, and looking back, we had no idea how big it would become. So innocent, and yet the momentum that had started. Joining us now is Abraham Reisman. He's a culture writer for New York Magazine. All right, so Deadpool 2 is coming out. When the first one came out, everybody didn't know what to expect, and it was just a huge hit. We heard the stories of how it was a long time coming, and it went through its pitfalls, not a lot of money put into it, but it reached its own cultural moment, especially with all the superhero, tons of superhero movies that have been coming out. Let's go back to that a little bit. What made the first movie so special? Well, I think it came at this real inflection point where people were very aware, perhaps to a degree that they were a little sick of, of uh, superhero movies, right? You know, it comes out in 2016. The modern superhero movie revolution began in 1998 with Blade. So we're talking about coming on two decades at that point of being inundated with all these spandex-wearing characters. And you can make an argument that Deadpool came at the exact right time where there was enough saturation of knowledge that having something that could wink at you and say, okay, we know you've seen all these superhero movies. Let's talk about how silly they are. You know, something like that could really appeal to people at that point and not only appeal, but be kind of a pressure release valve. If, if you were feeling sick of superhero movies, you could go to Deadpool and feel like it was a little sick of them too and wanted to give you something that rewarded your knowledge and maybe gave you something a little different as well. It's interesting that you say that they kind of all started with Blade, I think a lot of people tend to think of it starting with Iron Man, the first kind of big Marvel type thing there. But you're right. We just hit 10 years since since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and people were getting a little tired of those movies. You know, they're all wrapping into each other. And this just can't, kind of came out of left field. Like you said, there was a little bit of base knowledge of who he might have been, but it was very crude. It was rated R, which was something totally different for those types of movies. And it would just became a, a a big pop culture hit. People really went nuts for it. I mean, it made it was it was the most profitable superhero movie of all time. You know, it only cost a, you know double digit millions to make, and then made triple digits. And it was, yeah, it was a real cultural phenomenon. And it became pretty obvious that Deadpool two was going to be something people would crave and show up for. And I would be shocked if, if it doesn't make the kind of numbers that uh, Deadpool one did. The other thing too was. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, the star who plays Deadpool. Yes, not you just know. the star, not just the star, co-writer of uh, of Deadpool 2. It's oh. him, Rhett Reese, and Paul Wernick, uh, writing credit for it as well. And for the first one, it, you know, many people said it was a passion project for him. He was working relentlessly on getting, getting studios to give it a chance. How did that happen? How has it changed now? He, uh, in the early 2000s, decided that he was interested in making a Deadpool movie. Initially, it was going to be reportedly made with David S. Goyer, who's you know one of the most successful superhero screenwriters. He, he wrote a lot of DC movies and Marvel movies, and they had uh, met while Ryan Reynolds was working on the probably best left forgotten Blade Trinity. I don't know if anybody remain, yeah. remembers Blade Trinity. I'm, a, but, I'm um, an old school fan uh, of all the Blade movies. <laughs> oh, wow, all right. You yeah. know, uh, it's uh, Blade Trinity. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but it. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure a lot of people remember the story that was actually in it, but um, the point 
point is they they linked up. Ryan Reynolds decided he really wanted to make this movie. And short version, there were a lot of bumps along the way. I'm not privy to all of the backroom meetings that happened, but I'm sure a lot of it was in the 2000s. Executives saying, look, we don't get it, right? I mean, the idea of having <laughs> yeah. this self-referential, fourth wall breaking, genre lampooning character probably eluded a lot of folks who are in decision-making capacities. There was discussion of having Deadpool, a Deadpool movie. You know, in 2000, even before Ryan Reynolds got involved, Artisan Entertainment had a deal with Marvel and uh, Deadpool was one of the characters they were thinking about developing. And then, of course, Deadpool did in some form end up in 2009's X-Men Origins colon Wolverine, Mm -hmm. played by Ryan Reynolds, albeit in a very different form than uh, the character he ended up, the version of the character he ended up playing in Deadpool and Deadpool 2. So, you know, and that's that really was a what, setback. That's what made it really fun, you know, them poking fun at themselves, not taking itself too seriously. And then, like I said, it, it is rated R, so there are a lot of serious action moments, and it just kind of all came together the right way. What can we expect to see in this uh, second movie now, in Deadpool 2? Expect to see a lot, you know, I don't want to spoiler anything for people, but right. <laughs> there's a lot more pathos than you might expect in in a way that some people might find a little, I don't want to say off-putting, but there's, there's something that happens early on in the movie that is a little unexpected and uh, might press people's buttons, but it leads to a lot of Deadpool being upset. And, you know, he's still his jokey self, but you see Ryan Reynolds really dipping into a lot of grief and soul searching. And I, I, it doesn't make the movie not funny. It's still filled with gag after gag. But I think people will be surprised at the degree to which it tries to go for tugging your heartstrings. Uh, that's, that's not something that you necessarily walk into a Deadpool movie uh, thinking you're going to get. Right. Like you said, wisecracking, a lot of fun craziness is what you're usually expecting. So, yeah, looking yeah. very forward to getting into that one. Abraham uh, Reisman, thank you very much. Culture writer for New York Magazine. That's uh, been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love to hear the feedback, so don't forget to share some comments and leave us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by John Considine. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.